message tonight is, it's, it's a major Bible doctrine, really. It's one of the major tenets of Jesus' teaching. And I want to try to spend a few minutes on it. I don't think you can go wrong anywhere in the Bible. But it's really beautiful. Some of these major life tenets, truths that Christ presented to his disciples and how they could pick them up. Let's, uh, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn there, Matthew chapter 23, Matthew chapter 23, the necessity of transparency, the necessity of transparency. Uh, verse 5 through, I'm going to do verse 5, then 26 through 28. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. They like public show of righteousness. These Pharisees, Sadducees, lawyers, publican, and not the publicans, but the Sadducees, lawyers, um, they loved it. He's in verse 26, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. That's the emphasis. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but are full, within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. I went to a cemetery, I think it's called White Chapel in Detroit. It's one of the most beautiful, ornate. ornate. It, was, it was built after the Roman architecture. And if you're ever, ever in Detroit area, it's worth, honestly, worth going to see it. It's a crypt and it's ornate marble work. It was done, I think, in the 20s. But the architect, I'd like to find out who the architect behind that was. It's just unbelievable. It looks like you're walking into the ornate Roman Empire and some of the work there. And, and uh, this is what Jesus is talking about. On the outside, that place is literally beautiful. But within, it's full of dead men's bones and all kinds of uncleanness and corruption. That's what religion is. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, he's telling the scribes and the Pharisees. Scribes were, who were the scribes? They were perfectionists. You couldn't be a scribe if you weren't a perfectionist. Now, not everybody's a perfectionist. We have nicknames for perfectionists, square-cornered people. They don't, they don't clean round corners. They do square corners. They, they, have a, they have the gift of observance. They can see a cobweb or a, a fingerprint or a smudge, and where a lot of people walk by them, never even see them, wouldn't even care if they were there. And so these people that turned into be scribes were gifted in detail. They liked it. They fed on it. Like maybe accountants. Accountants. Accountants watch your pennies and you don't have to worry about your dollars. But most businessmen don't watch their pennies. They hire an accountant to do that because they don't have that gift of an accountant. And if they didn't have accountants, they'd run themselves in the ground and go bankrupt. When you're meeting with your accountants, one of the most important meetings you have all year long is because they tell you the, the cold reality is that you're losing money when you think you're making money. 
or you're spending too much when you don't think you're spending enough and you're not making enough, you're not charging enough when you think you're overcharging. That's an accountant's job is to put you into reality, bring you into perspective what really is the truth, not what your perception of truth is. Scribes were there to copy Scripture. No more important job it would you'd have than to copy the Bible. They had unique systems, the Masoretic scribes. Uh, they would number forward and backward each letter to make sure they didn't miss a letter. And then it would be compared and over-compared, and the Bible was meticulously, meticulously copied. So what that group of people had a trouble with being hypocrites, of having the outside of their cup all nice and clean, and they looked good, looked like the ultimate Christian. I'm just going to put it in our, our terminology. <clears throat> but he said, you're not. They thought they were following Moses. They were proud of it. He said, even so, ye also outward appear unto men, but within your full of hypocrisy and iniquity, you appear righteous unto men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. What in the world did Jesus have against the religious leadership of his day? Nowhere in the whole Bible will you find a single sermon that even comes close to the denunciatory, excoriating, scathing, condemning specificity of Jesus' sermon in Matthew 23 against the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You won't find it. I've never heard a sermon in all the sermons I've listened to, and one of my favorite pastimes is listening to sermons. And I've never heard anything even come close to this. And I've gone to some of the toughest camp meetings and some of the toughest preachers that I could find and listen to them. I sought out preachers that would not hold back for my feelings or anybody else's feelings. I told the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I listened to people like Lester Roloff, skin, watching TV. I mean, if you watch TV, you were bad off. I've listened to J. Vernon McGee attack the government, what they were doing. I've listened to Bob Jones Jr. excoriate the Catholic Church and the hypocrisy that's found there. I listened to Jack Hiles rip up the immodest dress and immoral living. I've listened to Oliver B. Green take on the alcohol crowd and the sins of the pleasure crowd. I've read Sam Jones point his gospel guns against any lazy, good-for-nothing Christian who were lukewarm trying to live the Christian life halfway. I listened to the Billy Sunday preached his famous booze sermon. I've read that over and over again. Against all the those who drank alcohol and sold alcohol or contributed to the agony of alcohol. Of alcohol. You can you'll never ever convince me that alcohol, there's anything good about it except in NyQuil. Twenty-five thousand people a year lose somebody over alcohol. You know, just accidents. Just all about how many more? And how many more? Oh, I just have all kinds of statistics, but I don't want to go over them tonight. That's not the point. I've read D.L. Moody strip off the excuses for those living in sin, but I've never heard anyone preach like Jesus did in chapter twenty-three of Matthew. No one. This is the gentle Jesus 
that people like to talk about, that preaches Matthew chapter 23. The Jesus that was getting ready to die on the cross, by the way, it's not coincidental that after that sermon, they crucified him. Here in Matthew 23, he's a red-faced, name-calling, on-fire, sin-hating preacher of this chapter and the Bible. He's like, like in the old West, he called them out on the street in front of everybody. And if I may say, if you're unsaved here tonight, God is going to call you out someday in front of everybody, and you're going to have to answer for your sins. Every idle word that a man speaks will be given account of in that day. Every deed done to body will be given account of in that day. Now, if I was you, I'd want to be in Christ that day, not outside of him, trying to justify myself before the tribunal of the great white throne. That would not be a comfortable place to be. No more will people hide their anonymity behind the cloak of false righteousness. No more will the fine clothes and the nice cars and the decent jobs and the public respect, the handsome appearances protect people from the searing eyes of truth. What was the awful sin preacher of the Pharisees and Sadducees? He says it there in our text verse. It's hypocrisy and iniquity, verse 28. Hypocrisy and iniquity. You and I do not want that. Those two sins you don't want in your life. You don't want them. Hypocrisy means to act under an assumed character. That's what Hollywood does. They pretend to be superheroes. They pretend to be, by the way, you're in bad shape if you watch too much of that stuff. I mean, I hate to say this today, but I'm going to say it. There's no Superman. There's no, there's no, I don't watch them. I haven't watched them. I won't watch them. Any of these superpower, superpower deal. There really is not, none of that stuff. And I, I understand fiction. I understand it's a kind of a, a relaxing of the mind sometimes to read fiction. I'm not against all fiction. But there's an obsession with it, an obsession. And I see people get obsessed with that stuff. It's, it's, it's uh, pretending to do something that's not real. That's what they were. They were pretend, pretending to do things God's way when they really were doing it their way. And that's what the definition of iniquity is. Iniquity is doing things your way and not God's way. Or it can be defined as breaking the law of God. All sin, 1 John 3, 4, is transgression of the law. And God has a law. You say, well, I don't know what it is. You'll be held responsible for it whether you know it or not. You can know it. It's knowable, and it's out there to be known. And you'll not have any excuse when you stand before God that I didn't know. You don't even have an excuse when you drive down the road and the officer pulls you over and said, you know, you were going 65 and 35, and you tell him, well, I didn't know it was 35. Even in our own little, even in our own little environment here, they don't, they're not going to give you a break for not knowing the speed limit. I mean, we have a, a former chief of police here. Probably not give you a break. They do me, but that's because they know I'm a saved man. 
I'll say it tonight as I said it so many other nights. I've never had a speeding ticket. And I want to know how many here tonight are 70 years old and never had a speeding ticket. We ought to go out to eat because that's a small club. That's a small club. But you notice my wife's hand did not go up. I call her Zoom Zoom as nickname. But anyways, uh, but these these, Sarah, these uh, scribes and Pharisees, Sadducees, and he called them hypocrites. By the way, name calling. I mean, people, well, I don't think preachers ought to name call. Well, where'd you learn to preach? I know if you look at the Bible and learn to preach, you're going you're gonna to call names. Paul called out people. He called them by name. Jesus called them out. Man, he didn't, he didn't mince, they knew who he was talking about. I don't know of any sin in the Bible Jesus seems to hate more than hypocrisy and iniquity, which is the opposite of transparency. Now, this is my, that was my introduction. Because transparency is the opposite of what the Pharisees and scribes and all they had. They didn't want you to know who they really were in the dark, who they really were at night, who they really were in secret. They didn't want you to know that. Early on as a Christian, I had to adopt, had to decide if I, what kind of life I, philosophy I was going to adopt. And I read the Bible, New Testament, and decided I was going to, by the grace of God and through the power of God, try to be what you saw is what you get. I was not going to be fake it till you make it. I was going to try to be honestly transparent in a transparent way of life. The Pharisees worked to be seen a man, get personal honor and respect from others. They like to be called rabbi. They like to be called father. They like to be called master. What Jesus say about that was in Matthew 23 also, verses 8 through 10. But be not ye called rabbi, which means teacher, really. For one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. Now, I don't know how the Catholic Church justifies what they do on that. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. Now, you notice he didn't say Jehovah, God. He didn't say Elohim. He said Christ is your master. By the way, the Bible says it clearly in the book of Corinthians that Christ is the head of the church. He's whom we serve. We're part of his body. He's our master. There's one principle. This one principle will help us to overcome the tendency in our life because our flesh and our pride love to be something they're not, to appear as better than you are. Matthew 23, 12 said, Jesus said, and as I mentioned earlier, whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. But he, shall, he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. How do you get favor with God? How do you do it? Be honestly humble. Humble people, most of the time really don't know it. Proud people believe they're humble. And humble people believe they're proud. Humble people will gladly uh, confess their faults one to another. In James chapter 5, verse 16, it talks about that. And when you do that, you're doing what Jesus wants you to do. Now, that doesn't mean you come up here and tell every little detail of sin that you did. 
But I, I, I've been up here and told you how I struggled over how smoking had such a death grip on me. And I, both Kathy and I struggled about it. There's people that would be aghast if you ever, if, if you ever knew that. They, they don't even want you to ever know they smoked or struggled with anything. They don't want you to know they struggled with anything. They want you to feel that they're, woohoo, they're clean, green, fighting machine. But that's not the reality of life. Many of you in this room struggle with anger. You're getting mad at me now. Many of you struggle with fear. Many of you struggle with pride. Many of you think of yourself more highly than you ought. Many of you think somehow you're responsible for whatever little success you may have had as the world defines it. By the way, I don't care how the world defines success because it's not going to make any difference. It's how God defines success. You stand before God, it's going to be under His law and under His definition, not under old Hollywood and all of what they believe. Glamour and glitz and money and possessions and all that stuff is going to seem awful small when you stand before God. When you allow people to see your mistakes and your flaws and share your troubles, your struggles, your hardships, your frustrations, I believe you're doing what, in some measure, what Jesus wants us to do. Staying out of your pharisaical cocoon. Because that's what they had. They kind of had a cocoon of righteousness around them. Their phylacteries, things they hung down on their, on their forehead and other places and bottom of their robes. And they, had, they were memorizing scripture. By the way, Pharisees have been known, I mean, historically, some of them had memorized word perfect, the Old Testament. That's, that's big. They had a photo, evidently had a photographic memory, and it used it. And so that, that brought up, do you know you can be proud about memorizing Scripture? Now think about that. That's a catch-22. I know Jim not will never have that trouble. I love you, brother. That's a blessing for you. That's a blessing. The person that's easy to memorize, they go over that one time and they can verberate, and 10 years from now they can still do it. They struggle. They struggle. They struggle. It's easy. It's easy. Pharisaical cocoon. And they, these people oftentimes only talk about their victories, their overcomings the good things they're doing. And they give you a false impression that they have a struggle-free Christian life. May I say that is non-existent. There is not an existent thing called a struggle-free Christian life. You are going to war. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about we war. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers Rulers of darkness in high places. We have the darts of the wicked one coming at us on a regular basis. Once you get over one testing, you get to go into another one. You get a little rest period. God will give you a little rest period between testings, and then you're ready, you get ready for the next testing. Because this whole life as a born-again believer is a test of your faith. Being much more precious than gold that perishes. Oh, that's a new thought, amen. I thank God for the troubles he brought my way. 
We have today hypocrisy of every kind. We have pedophile priests in major denominations. We have blatant sexual immorality within the ranks of preachers who call themselves God's men. I'm talking about independent fundamental people. Talk about the guy out there, First Baptist Church, Hammond, Indiana, Shatter. Can't remember his name. He was he, had, he was having an immorality with a sixteen-year-old girl. He went to jail for twelve years. They just let him out, by the way. How many people did he turn off to Christianity? How much blood is going to pee upon that old boy's hands? Ooh, oh, case. I had a guy the other day I was talking to him about Jesus. He says, "Oh, you know, there's so many hypocrites in church." You know, I said that all they do in church is talk about money. You'll not find that at gospel. We're not going to talk about money. We're not going to do clever plans to try to fleece you. We're not going to shake you down. Those men standing out there won't hurt you if you don't give any money. They look like they will, but they won't. You know, they're not. You're not. They're not saying alms for the poor. Alms for the poor. We're not beggars. We're trusting in the living God. Supply our needs. We don't have to talk about it a lot. We have to talk about it a little. I've gone to churches where they spend a whole month of their year talking about finances and giving and giving. No wonder that poor unsaved guy is thinking that all the church is about is getting his money. And he, and he, sees, he also sees deacons on the job. And he sees church members on the job. And he sees inconsistencies on there, cheating the government, taking cash for a job so you don't have to record it in your income tax. You're a thief. The Bible says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And Caesar makes it real clear what those things are. I've always gone to an accountant. Always. And I've always said, if we err, I want to pay too much taxes. If you're going to make an error, I want to pay too much taxes. Please not too, too much. My dad used to tell me, my dad says, he'd come to me once in a while and he'd say, man, son, I had to pay $50,000 taxes this year. He said, that's one of the best days of my life. I said, why would you say that? He said, because I had to make a lot of money to pay that taxes. He said, when I was in the Depression, I never paid any taxes because I never made any money, didn't have a job. That was a great way to look at it. Instead of crying about it, be glad you can. Amen. He didn't come for that, but that was free. We got people claiming, I just read recently, the Methodist church, by the way, split in half because half of them said homosexuality was okay and transgender is okay, and the other half said they still had enough. I'm surprised they did, but they still had enough huspah, which is a Jewish word. They still had enough hoospot to cut out of there. I think our Methodist church down the road here changed their name. They're no longer called Methodist. Now, I don't know if that's good, bad, or ugly. But homosexuality has penetrated the Methodists, the Episcopalians, the Lutherans, and many other major denominations. Why? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Iniquity. And that's what Jesus spent so much time in Matthew 23 condemning. 
What was he telling us? These kind of things want to damage the very foundation of the gospel. When you go out door to door, you go out and start talking to people about Jesus, you'll start hearing it. Just like I said about that guy, his first, obje first objection out of his mouth was hypocrisy and money. I said, if you come to gospel, you're sure to meet hypocrites because I'm hypocritical sometimes. Do you think I follow everything I preach? I would like to. I want to. I'm trying to. But if you'd see me the way my wife sees me, you probably wouldn't come to church. I'm surprised my wife still comes to church. I'm ashamed of myself. But by the grace of God, I want to do right. I want to live for God. And I don't have blatant hypocrisy in my life. I may stretch where I went fishing at or something like that. I don't want to. But it's that kind of stuff that damages the foundation. It wants to damage the foundation of the gospel. It takes the credibility away from the gospel. It strips the genuineness away from the Bible. It causes the things of righteousness to be a laughing stock and a joke. You remember the t-shirts that said, I ran, into, I ran into Tammy Faye in the mall? It was, a, it was a laughing stock. Christians were a laughing stock to the world. They knew Jimmy Baker. They knew Tammy Faye. And, and they, they were well-known, supposed Christians. And remember, the world doesn't understand all the denominational differences and the doctrinal differences. They just group us into one big group. These are Christians. And, oh, what a group of Christians. This shirt had a smeared nose, smeared lipstick, and smeared eyeshadow, and it said, I ran into Tammy Faye at the mall. She was over makeup, looked like a hooker. You say, what's a hooker look like? That's none of your business. Jimmy Swagger, Oral Roberts. God told me going to have, Oral Roberts got up in front of the whole nation and said, if I can't raise $11 million by such a time, God's going to kill me. He told me that. He told me that. If I can't raise $11 million, God's going to kill me. Stop it. Stop it. What a ploy. By the way, he raised the money. He raised the money. People are, forgive me if you gave to him, but if that is stupid. That's not the God of the Bible. This is no real joking matter. The damnation of hell is real. The coming judgment for people's sins is real. These serpents, the generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? That's Matthew 23, 33. I think we need to be ever so careful to not fall in the condemnation that these people fell in. How, preacher? By being transparent, purposefully being transparent. Be real. Be honest. Be honest when nobody sees you. Be open. Be single-minded for God. Make sure your life for Jesus is free of hypocrisy 
or unrepented hypocrisy and unrepented iniquity. By the way, if you're holding back on God because of hypocrites, you're going to spend eternity with them. Because true committed hypocrites are going to hell. They're not going to heaven. Those Pharisees and Sadducees, they didn't make it to heaven unless they repented of those sins. Some of them did, by the way. There were Pharisees that got saved. Nicodemus took us one. He got born from above. Some other Pharisees, the Bible says, got saved. I don't know about any Sadducees that got saved. I really don't. Sadducees didn't even have a foundation of faith. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in any supernatural part of the Bible. I don't remember hearing anything about Sadducees being saved. They didn't even have a foundation. But the Pharisees had a doctrinal foundation. They believed the law of Moses. They believed what Bible they had was true, but they didn't follow it. And they were hypocritical, and they disobeyed it, made it up, made it, kind of went their own way. Don't you do that. But they were savable because they could repent of that and believe Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, and they did, and they got saved. A lot of them got saved. I think Paul the Apostle was one. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Now, I will agree it took quite a bit to get old Paul. He was a real chosen vessel that rode on, that rode on Damascus. Jesus appeared to him and says, Ooh, you're kicking against the goads. He got right. He got saved. Father, help us tonight. Help us not to be hypocrites. Help us to not do it our way, but do it your way. Help us to be humble enough to just simply do it your way. Not try to remake it, repackage it. I heard a preacher a while back say, we've repackaged the gospel. You don't need to repackage God's word. Preach it as is. The word of God as it is for people as they are. Help us tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.